Sisters and elders, welcome to the Preach My Gospel for Missionaries podcast. In today's episode, we're going to listen to a discussion between Elder Bednar and a group of seminary and institute teachers that took place during an event called An Evening with the General Authorities, which was a church education system event back in February of 2020. In this discussion, Elder Bednar shares some principles and practices regarding personal revelation that you might find pretty helpful as a missionary. We hope you enjoy this conversation. We are very excited to be joined today by Elder David A. Bednar of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. Elder Bednar, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Brother Webb. And we're grateful to all of you for joining us here in the audience, as well as all of you that are watching wherever you are throughout the world. Thank you for being with us tonight. We wanted to start uh, by asking you a little bit about personal revelation. Uh, President Nelson has taught us about the importance of personal revelation recently, and uh, we wanted to ask you what you might add to that, what you would teach us about what you've learned as an apostle and in your personal experience about receiving personal revelation. Uh, I think the first thought that comes to my mind is that we often make it hard on ourselves to receive personal revelation. By that, I mean the covenant promise is that as we honor our covenants, we may always have the Holy Ghost to be our constant companion. But we talk about it and we treat it as if hearing the voice of the Lord through His Spirit is the rare event. And that just strikes me as a little curious. It's like I have to follow these four steps. Everywhere we get checklists, we get formulas, do these four things, and the Holy Ghost is going to speak to you, and you're going to hear it. And I go, wait a minute. We shouldn't be trying to recognize it when it comes. We should be recognizing what happens that causes it to leave. It ought to be with us all of the time, not every nanosecond. But if a person is doing his or her best, you don't have to be perfect, but if you and I are doing our best and we're not committing serious transgression, then we can count on the Holy Ghost guiding us. So I think we sometimes start from a disadvantage in believing I have to gear up to recognize it when it ought to be there all the time. Secondly, I think in the culture of the church, especially in the Western world, we seem to believe that the Holy Ghost is dramatic, and big and sudden when it's still and small and incremental over time. And that you don't have to recognize that you are receiving revelation in the moment that you are receiving revelation. And so because we think I, it's got to be big and I have to know it, we have all of these things that I think are just exactly the opposite of what really happens as we receive revelation. I think Nephi is the perfect example of this model. He went not knowing beforehand the things that he should do. And what is striking to me about that experience is that he's writing this after it happens. So he has to look back and reflect on his experience. And I, I don't mean to use casual language, but in the vernacular of today, I think he's saying, I was absolutely clueless how this was going to work. But he goes, he goes, and as he's going, 
He's being guided, but I'm not sure he knows that in every instant that he is pressing forward and going. Now, the reason that's at the very beginning of the Book of Mormon is so every one of us will read it 48 million times in our lives. It's before the Isaiah chapters. I think that may be intentional. So you get there and you get stuck and you go back and you read that over and over and over and over. But we never make the connection that what happened to him is probably how it ought to be working for us. I find members of the church who are terrified, I'm going to make a mistake. Did Nephi make a mistake the first time when they drew lots? Didn't work out. But boy, did he learn a lesson and his family. Didn't work out when they tried the gold and all their possessions, but they learned a lesson. So it doesn't have to be big, dramatic, quick, all at once, and it works every time. It's just probably the opposite of that. But somehow we've, we've come to the conclusion, uh, I think those assumptions get in our way. Anything else? Yes, ma'am. Let me grab the microphone. Just yesterday, I listened to the talk by Elder Holland Castanotaway, Therefore Thy Confidence, and in it he spoke about Oliver Cowdery and how he missed the opportunity to translate. Um, and Elder Holland said he missed the opportunity of a lifetime within the lifetime of the opportunity. And I thought about that when you said the when. And so the confusing part to me is, if we know we need to do something, how can we ensure that we do it at the right timing? Because I, like for me, I have so many weaknesses and I, I mess up. Like how you spoke about Nephi, that he, he cast lots and then the gold. How do we know that we're doing it right? I think you will find my answer wholly unsatisfactory. <laughs> Nephi didn't mess up. It was a learning experience. Line upon line, precept upon precept, he was being prepared to go back, not knowing beforehand the things that he should do. And I, I'm a really simple-minded person. If you're doing your best, you're consecrated, you're devoted, you're not going to mess somebody up. Heaven is in charge of this, not you, not me. So as a member of the 12, I have assignments all the time that I just cannot possibly do. But you just have to go. And as you do your best, you are enlarged, you're magnified. You won't consciously always know, oh, this is the right time. You just do your very best. I remember President Hinckley when I was a younger man, and I, I would ask him questions, and he would say, well, it all just works out. And I believed that, and I thought, come on, there's more than that. The older I get, the more, the more I understand that's the only answer there is. God is not going to leave you hanging out there alone as you're trying to sucker and nurture and minister to his children. So if you do your best, it'll work out. And you'll learn lessons along the way. I think one of the things that makes me the saddest is to find incredibly faithful members of the church who have done all that you can do that is right and good and they don't think they measure up because they don't have all these dramatic experiences that people talk about in fast and testimony meeting and uh, in one setting I talked about the fact that that's not normal you're normal 
<laughs> if, if you're just kind of plugging along and you, you know, you, sometimes you go down the wrong street and you turn around and come back out, and that's kind of how it's supposed to work. And if you're honoring your covenants and pressing forward, you don't just find and you're normal. I had a sister, member of the church for 40, 50 years, throw her arms around me and say, oh, I've just wondered if I can measure up. How can we have so many members of the church beating themselves up with that? And it's because I think they start at the wrong place. It's big, it's dramatic, it's all at once. Everybody talks about that. That's what I see in the scriptures. That doesn't happen to me, so there's something wrong with me. No, you're normal. And when you point out that Saul was not converted by the light and Alma the Younger was not converted by the angel, Alma the Younger didn't talk in public about the angel very often, like never, except to his kids. He says, I fasted, I prayed. It wasn't the angel that did it. Great question. Thank you. One other thing. We have to be careful. People all over the world are going to listen to this. And the means or the modes of revelation can vary, uh, not by geography. But for example, in uh, many parts of Africa, people have remarkable dreams. Now, I wouldn't speak for anybody else in this room or anybody else who's listening, but I don't have dreams like some of the faithful saints in Africa do. It's not uncommon for the missionaries to come to teach someone they encounter someone on the street and the people will say, I saw you in a dream and you have a message from God. I want to hear what you have to tell me. I don't know that missionaries in Los Angeles have many of those experiences every day. <laughs> so what we also have to be careful to do, we, we teach largely from our own experience. We can impose a pattern on people that's not a pattern they've experienced. Doesn't mean that their pattern is any less valid or, or useful. But it's a, a variety of different ways that the Spirit of the Lord can connect with somebody's mind and heart. Anybody else? Yes, sir. So as we've been uh, talking about um, how we often fall into the trap of trying to follow a formula or follow a specific process, I've been thinking about uh, why is that the case and why does that happen so often? I think all of us could relate to that. And... I think it's because, at least one reason, is because we lack confidence in ourselves to be able to do it on our own. So we want to rely on a process that somebody else has come up with that has worked for them. And so I guess the question is, how do we increase our confidence in being able to receive revelation on our own and uh, not try to rely on uh, a process we've heard from someone else. Okay. Let me read a quote. This is Joseph F. Smith. This is a credible source for someone who is beginning this journey. It says, how do I get confidence in this? President of the church. Show me Latter-day Saints who have to feed upon miracles, signs, and visions in order to keep them steadfast in the church. And I will show you members who are not in good standing before God and who are walking in slippery paths. It is not by marvelous manifestations unto us that we shall be established in the truth, 
but it is by humility and faithful obedience to the commandments and laws of God. Anybody can do that. I think that builds a little bit of at least hope. If a president of the church is talking about seemingly simple and ordinary things, I can do that. Anybody can do that. Another one from Joseph F. Smith. As a boy, I would frequently ask the Lord to show me some marvelous thing in order that I might receive a testimony. But the Lord withheld marvels from me and showed me the truth line upon line until he made me to know the truth from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet and until doubt and fear had been absolutely purged from me. He did not have to send an angel from the heavens to do this, nor did he have to speak with the trump of an archangel. By the whisperings of the still, small voice of the Spirit of the living God, he gave to me the testimony I possess. Now, I'm not quite done. I think anybody can do that. Any struggling young person, any of us who are struggling, can take the first steps and do what Joseph F. Smith did. And by this principle and power, he will give to all the children of men a knowledge of the truth that will stay with them. And it will make them to know the truth as God knows it and to do the will of the Father as Christ does it. And no amount of marvelous manifestations will ever accomplish this. Does that make any sense? Does that help? Yes, it does. I think we have a lot of people in the church who want to see a light on the road to Damascus, and then I'll believe. Really? Was Paul in any, Saul in any condition to recognize the still small voice? He had to have a spiritual slap upside the head. If I could just see an, an angel the way Alma the Younger did. Really? Is that what you want? I don't think Alma was in any condition to receive the still, small voice. And Joseph F. Smith is saying, it's not the angel, it's not the light, it's the still, small voice. Just go and do. Now, the, the other point I have to make is that if we're not keeping the commandments, then we can't have that confidence and we won't have the companionship of the Spirit. And so there are young people who need to repent and there are young people who are so hard on themselves that they never think they're good enough. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be good, doing your best and pressing forward. Any final things you want to highlight? Anything you want to correct? <laughs> no. No, just I think I can speak for all of us. We love you and sustain you, and we're just really grateful for what you've taught us today and the, the invitation of the Holy Ghost to teach us and to act on the things we've heard so that we can continue to learn. So thank you very much. We want to give you the last few minutes, however much time you want, in fact, to, to share whatever you feel to share in your testimony before we close. Well, the very first thing that comes to my mind to everyone who hears this uh, evening with a general authority, uh, I love you. I love who you are. I love what you're striving to become. I love what you do. We can all improve, but I say thank you. To, to live on the earth in this season of the dispensation of the fullness of times 
is the blessing of a lifetime. I say thank you on behalf of the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve and the Church Board of Education. Thank you. Elders and sisters, we hope that you enjoyed this conversation and hope that you walk away feeling empowered to both receive more personal revelation and help those you teach receive the revelation that they need in their lives. Mm-hmm.